Please listen carefully. Hello, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that realtors face. I'm Jessica Toon. And I'm Laura Farley. Remember, Caveat Realtor is meant to provide general legal information. The information, forms, and laws referenced in this episode are accurate as of the date this episode is first released. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. Hi, Jessica. Hey, Laura. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. So today's topic is uh, the VREB guidance document on source of funds. Great. Uh, Last July, the General Assembly added source of funds as a protected class under fair housing law. Since then, we've received many questions on how to apply this class in certain scenarios. Our government relations team relayed these concerns to the VREB, who issued a clarifying guidance document on April 16th. And the document addresses questions for both sales and rentals. But let's start with sales, which is pretty cut and dry. The guidance document confirms that it is not unlawful for a seller to consider the financial terms and conditions of a real estate purchase contract from prospective purchasers, including the loan amount, loan program, or type of loan. So considering a loan program like FHA loan with its extra terms and conditions as part of a holistic approach of looking at offers is not unlawful. Your seller client can take those into consideration, and you may discuss the pros and cons of offers presented without concern of violating the law. Great. So now let's talk about rentals, which the document has a bit more guidance on. And remember, the law completely exempts owners who own less than five rentals in Virginia. That has not changed. Let's talk about the details for the other exemption provided that it is not unlawful for an owner or agent to deny or limit a rental based on the source of funds if the source is not approved within 15 days of the submission of the request for tenancy. Well, Jessica, that leads to the question, what counts as submission of the request for tenancy approval? Great question, Laura. The guidance document states that the 15-day time period for approval begins on the date a complete package requesting the tenancy approval is submitted to the voucher administrator. So this means the landlord or agent must submit a complete package to include the lease, the ownership verification, W-9, and direct deposit form, and lead-based paint certification if required before the clock starts. The landlord or agent must also not unreasonably delay or postpone a required inspection. If the landlord and agent cooperate in good faith with the potential tenant and agency administering the voucher in these areas, and more than 15 days elapse between submitting a complete packet, you may decline to rent to the voucher holder and not face liability for source of funds discrimination. Now let's talk a bit about the tenant selection process. The guidance document confirms that you may ask about income on your tenant application and verify that income. That itself does not constitute discrimination. The guidance document also discusses screening policies considering past income and how they are not unreasonable. But be careful about focusing on the duration of funds and those with a specified end date and ensure that any screening policies around this area are applied consistently. In a very important and detailed section, the guidance document focuses on how income qualifying criteria must be applied fairly. The document notes that the relevant factor for a landlord to consider when determining whether a tenant can afford the rent is the tenant's portion of the rent, not the total rent. In practice, this means that the housing provider should subtract any rental assistance funds from the total of the rent before calculating whether the tenant satisfies their income criteria. And here's the example that they provide in the document. 
The housing provider requires all tenant applicants to demonstrate that they have income two times the amount of the monthly rent, which is $1,000. Keeping it simple, I see. A prospective tenant who applies and earns $800 has a housing voucher program of $760 per month. The landlord should subtract the $760 voucher from the $1,000 rent before determining whether the tenant's income meets their threshold. So once you subtract that, the new monthly rent is $240. Multiplied by two, that's $480. So the tenant's monthly income of $800 meets their qualification criteria. That's some good math there, Jessica. Thank you. <laughs> Finally, the guidance document explains that landlords may not claim an administrative burden to justify denying a tenant based on their source of funds. As Virginia has not previously had a source of funds protection, there is little direct court guidance on this issue, but the VREB included excerpts from court decisions in other jurisdictions that have made this determination. The decisions include language about landlords not wanting to use a certain lease provided by the housing voucher program and landlords arguing against, quote, the bureaucracy of the programs. The 15-day exception written into the Virginia law is intended to compromise and resolve the concerns about bureaucratic delays. All right, Jessica, let's take it to the legal hotline. All right. Two potential tenants apply for the same available rental house. One applicant has a housing voucher while the other provides proof of employment income. The landlord advertises for a minimum credit score of 630, but higher is preferred. The applicant using a voucher has a credit score of 635, while the other applicant has a score of 700. The landlord decides to accept the applicant with the higher credit score. Does the landlord violate the fair housing law? On its face, no, the landlord is not denying an applicant housing based on their source of funds. However, the landlord should ensure that they apply their tenant selection criteria equally and document that. Laura, I have a listing where we have documentation that the property does not meet FHA financing requirements. Can we say no FHA financing allowed in the MLS notes? I would advise that instead of doing that, you say something like, quote, property does not meet FHA financing requirements, end quote. That way you are providing the necessary information to prospective purchasers, but not saying that the seller won't accept an offer using an FHA financing. It puts the burden on the loan provider instead of the seller. All right, Jessica, last question. Will the Virginia Realtors tenant selection criteria be updated following the source of funds guidance document that was issued on April 16th? The standard form subcommittee discussed this and decided not to make any changes. The criteria does not include anything that's contradicted by law or by the guidance document. Okay, so let's talk about some ways that you can limit your risk. First, read the guidance document thoroughly and keep it on hand for reference. You are responsible for knowing the law and that includes the guidance document. Discuss the new protected class with your clients and explain what it means for them. For rentals, ensure that you are applying your tenant selection criteria consistently and document that process. Thank you for joining us. Caveat Realtor is a weekly podcast with episodes released every Tuesday. Our podcast is available for streaming through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates when we have new episodes and rate us. Remember, members of Virginia Realtors have access to our legal hotline where we can provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the legal tab on the law and ethics section. Make sure you're logged in to see this page. Although the members of this podcast are attorneys, 
The legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney license to practice in your jurisdiction. The information provided by Virginia Realtors is general reference work as a public service. It does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis. We make no warranties and disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice of competent counsel. This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2021. This podcast features the song Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.